This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions on the podcast and online. If you're not already following me, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Matchmaker Maria. And while you're at it, follow this podcast, Ask a Matchmaker, and my company, Agapi Match. I'll include the links to all this in the show notes. Today's guest is author Logan Yuri. Logan Yuri is a behavioral scientist turned dating coach and the author of the best-selling dating book, How to Not Die Alone. She works as Hinge's Director of Relationship Science, conducting research into modern dating. She studied psychology at Harvard and ran Google's behavioral science team, The Irrational Lab. She lives in the Bay Area with her husband. Scott, am I the first person to call your husband husband? No, because we've been married for two years, but we just had the wedding. Yeah. Oh, I got like really excited. I'm thinking like, oh yeah. So she had okay. So tell me, I, about I love the word husband. Yes. <laughs> tell me, tell me about the wedding. Like, oh my gosh, so many things have happened. So just really quick, Logan and I have a relationship prior to this podcast. It's and true. it's Guilty. true. And and in the last three weeks, a lot of things have happened in both of our lives, and I feel like we're both just kind of like logging back in. At least that's what my, my I know that's how I look, and I know this is what I feel like. The way you're sighing before, I was like, <laughs> she's coming back to, to real life. That's so well, Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, t- I was talking about your life and then I'll talk about sure. my life. Go ahead. Yeah. Go so I, I was married in June of 2020. So I am technically, I've technically been married for two years and I use the word husband and I love it. But because of a combination of my husband dealing with some health stuff and then the pandemic and everything else we finally had our big wedding in june of this year so a few weeks ago and it was great it was like you know i call it v4 v5 like there had been so many versions that never came to be but this was the one where i was like i don't care what's happening in the world like we're having this and it was really great it was in lake tahoe it was at a friend's house it was exactly what I wanted, like a multi-day thing with a lot of activities. It was pretty nerdy. There were sessions. There was a relay race. Um, it was very multi-generational with a lot of people participating in different things. It was great. It was exactly what I wanted, and I loved it. But even like I'm looking at the photos, and I'm like, I was like, okay, Lake Tahoe wedding. This looks exactly like the expectations I had when you told me I'm getting married in Lake Tahoe and then the images from that weekend, I was like, this lines up. Yay. I'm so glad. Yeah. Like it was, it it's, it's like definitely a... like an iconic place. Like it's on the lake. It's beautiful. Um, there, yeah, we didn't get the best weather, but in a way that actually was better because people moved inside. And like my whole goal was like connection for my friends and family to get to know each other, my East coast friends, my West coast friends. And so I feel like whatever happened, it turned out great because those connections were really made. Did you have um, a single stable? 
single no, section? No, we honestly didn't have that many single people. I think maybe okay. it's a combination of just like who our friends are or I, we barely even had like a signed seating. It was pretty non-traditional. It was more like a retreat than a wedding. I love that. It does look like a retreat. Like I was looking at the photos that you had posted online. And I was like, yeah, I mean, even your wedding dress, it looks like, it looks like Logan Yuri's wedding dress. Thank I, I, you. I, I appreciate it. Like it was just that. like very, um, like rustic. Is that the, is that, is that I feel accurate? like maybe the vibe is boho, but honestly, I'm not the most fashionable person. That's I maybe the right word. Yeah, I don't I know. I did not go crazy yeah. with the dress. I like went to a couple stores by myself in San Francisco. I liked this one. I liked the lady who made it and I just went with it. But yeah, I, I would say I was very into the wedding from like an event planning perspective. Like this is the feeling I want people to have. Yeah. This is the peak moment. This is the energy level, but not from like a bridezilla, um, it wasn't about the traditional wedding feeling. It was the it, emotional yeah. aesthetic yeah, versus absolutely. the visual aesthetic. Yeah. But I will say, like, the visuals look really stunning. Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah. I definitely you know, cared everything. about everything. The coloring looked really good. Absolutely, yeah. I definitely cared about everything. But I feel like when I talked to my photographer, I was like, the moment that I want you to capture is, like, my mom in an Adirondack chair talking to my friend Molly. Like, I had these moments that I could imagine happening, and they didn't really resolve, revolve around my husband and me. They revolved around, like, the different people having these moments of connection. Right. Um, I remember at my wedding, which is six years ago this month at the end of july it'll cool. be six years that's my first my second wedding so our first wedding was we had a courthouse wedding oh nice yeah um like you know seven months before yeah. sometimes people will say stuff like was it to get like a jump on his green card and i'm like no it was to get a jump on me on his health insurance Hello? yeah great love it <laughs> what are you talking about i'm an entrepreneur like i, totally. I need his health insurance um but anyway so uh i remember at our wedding it was also a three-day thing in in greece uh, cool. on the athens riviera and i remember timmy was like all i cared about was just people having fun that's all that like was on the agenda. I was like, I need people to have fun. But also I knew how many single people were coming and I was like, okay, they need to be on these two tables. Like I was very, very like intentional mm -hmm. about the ratios and like, where are people sitting and like, who's going to at least hook up if not date at this thing. Like these are the things that I remember thinking about. Did anything come out of it? A lot of hookups. I know someone had a threesome. I found this oh out gosh. last week. At the I wedding or like from someone they met at the wedding? Yeah. Um, no comment. Uh, but uh, <laughs> That's some people amazing. had crazy nights that night and I'm very, I'm very proud of them. It's, it's I, only taken I'm me six years you. for them to like admit it, but I was very proud of them. So I was See, like, See, oh, I feel like you me. and I had different goals for the type of connections, but we both <laughs> achieved them. So I feel great about that. I was hoping people would get married, but... Um, you know, I think people were just really horny. It was Greece, you know? It's like, all yeah. right, I'm uh, I'm going to Greece. How often am I going to be in Greece? Let's have a Greek lover. Uh, and I, I applaud that. I, I support that. Ho phase. Yes, of course. Is your husband anyway, Greek? My husband is Greek. Okay. I didn't realize that. Oh, that's great. So yeah, he's uh, he was born and raised in Crete, and he moved when he was, I think, 22 or 23 to Was to that Florida. important to you, to marry a guy? No, it was okay. not important to me um, at all. In fact, I tell people that I married him in spite of him being Greek. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I've that. had, I, like, I lived, I did my undergrad in, in Athens, uh, and I lived in Greece for five years as a result. Um, and obviously all of my boyfriends then were Greek because that's just what you're surrounded of course, by, right? That's, that's, yeah, that's where you were, yeah. Right? It's like being in Israel and saying I'm surrounded by, you know, right, right, right. You would have had like, to okay. work to not meet a Greek guy. 
Yeah, I'd really have to go out of my way to like not date a Greek guy. Um, and then when I came back to America, you know, because I had dated Greek guys, I thought like my first instinct was like, I'll date Greek American. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was really difficult for me because Greek Americans and Greek people are, they might as well be different planets. Um, it was just very different values, very different perception of like my reality and their reality. It was, I mean, yeah. I don't know, I hate a lot of my friends Greek American, but like if you've never lived in another country for at least six months, um, it's really hard if you've done that. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember thinking then I was like, I can't date Greek Americans, but I'll date Europeans or whatever. Okay. Like I was just like open yeah. and I, I, I didn't say no to anything. I was, uh, I did it outside of my faith. I did it outside of my race. Like I was really open because I don't know about you, but I'm sure you see this at work, but I feel like sometimes people will, I've said this in other previous episodes where sometimes people will like burrow themselves on a subculture. Like they'll say something mm -hmm. like he has to be Jewish yeah. American. And then suddenly, you know, they might be 37, you know, he has to be Jewish American. I've met someone who's Jewish and it's like, okay, I get it. You want to date someone who is in this specific faith. Yeah. But like, what if they're a bad boyfriend? Mm -hmm. What if they're a bad partner? Uh, what if they're not communicating the way you want to? Like, I notice that people are willing to stay in bad relationships just because someone fits a certain subculture lineup. Um, you, I know people can't see this, but Logan is nodding furiously. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. And I also, I, I also yeah. want to hear what you, what advice you give because I feel like in that situation, I do a lot of work with dating coaching clients to say, is this a deal breaker or a nice to have? Is this a deal breaker or a pet peeve? Like really going through those assumptions. And so I actually feel like religion, it depends. But with many people, religion is a deal breaker. If you're like, I was raised Jewish. I want my kids to have Judaism in their lives. I have found that mm -hmm. when I date non-Jewish guys, they sort of poo-poo it or they can't imagine sending their kids to a Jewish school or they just don't know the prayers. Like I could just imagine a scenario in which um, somebody feels like it really matters to them and then it is a deal breaker. But then of course there's the other thing where they're like, you know what, it's more important to my parents than to me. And so I'm gonna put it in the nice to haves list. And so when you're working with clients, how do you, what's your process for determining that? Because sometimes it does matter. It's exactly what you said though. I think for some people it's a nice to have and for some mm -hmm. people it's a deal breaker. And you know, I think allowing people to define that on their own and then yeah. just accepting that can be very helpful. And also in telling them, you know, the numbers too, right? Like I have met people who will say stuff to me like, you know, Maria, he needs to be Greek and he needs to be at least <laughs> six foot. And it's like, okay, um, how many Greek people live in Memphis? And yeah. how many, and like also the average height of a Greek man is like five foot eight. So, yeah. you know, let's just keep these things in mind totally. when we start like laying out some of these like really specific criteria. Um, for me, I will say like, I would be lying if I told you that it doesn't, it makes my life easier that both my husband and I have the same faith and come from the same background, like, you know, uh, ethnically. Mm -hmm. um, however, I did date men that, um, like a next boyfriend of mine, he happened to be Irish and Catholic. And, and when I say Irish, I mean like from Ireland, not Irish American, right? And he was Catholic. And I remember thinking when I was dating him, like, should this work out? Should, I mean, I didn't, I don't know if we would work out, but should this work out? Him being Irish Catholic in my mind was irrelevant because I knew that my kids would be, regardless in my opinion, mm -hmm. Greek Orthodox, they're gonna speak Greek. Like 
it doesn't matter who yeah. I married. I knew how I wanted to raise my kids. And because I knew that, I was able to communicate that every time the kids' conversation came up. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, so uh, I'll give you an example really quick in, in terms of like clients. Like I have a client who's Jewish and uh, a coaching client. And in fact, she was in a previous um, episode of Ask a Matchmaker cool. talking about her experience through us. And, um, you know, in speaking to her, she, you know, she laid out to, I think she's dating someone who's Catholic. She laid out to them, like, listen, if this works out, my kids are going to be raised Jewish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's, a, they're going to be bar mitzvahed and bat mitzvahed mm-hmm. and they're going to have a bris, like, you know, she's kind of explaining yeah. the cultural implications of dating someone who's Jewish. And now it's up to him to accept, mm-hmm. you know, if that's cool or not. But, you know, ultimately, I also think that when people focus a lot on religion, I always ask them, I don't know if you do this, but I ask them like, well, what's important to you about this religion? And you know, nine out of 10 times, it's about family dinners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. It was the word that came to mind for me was rituals. Like I want the ritual of Shabbat. I want the ritual of Passover. And I think the question, I, I think it really depends on the person, but for some people they're like, are you just coming to come and it doesn't mean anything to you and I have to drag you there? Or like some people convert and they're actually like more mm-hmm. interested in the religion than the people that weren't born into it. And some people have the same religion and don't care. And some people have the same religion or are into it. It's like, there's just like such a spectrum of being interested in that ritual. And so, yeah, I really think it matters um, per person. But I like what you said, which is like, if you just lead with like, hey, this is how I'm planning to do it. The person can take it or leave it. It's not a surprise when like the kid pops out and you're like, circumcision. <laughs> you know, um, it's so funny that you mentioned circumcision. Uh, like I mentioned it and now we're talking about it because I was recalling the story where, um, you know, m- Greek, Greek people in Europe are not circumcised. The only people that are circumcised in Europe are people who are Jewish or Muslim. That's oh, it. Okay. Yeah. And I come from a country where very min- major minority to be Jewish and Muslim in Greece, 99% of the population is Greek Orthodox Christian. Um, as a result, no man is circumcised and, and, and neither is my husband nor is my son. But I remember when my son was born, we got asked like seven times, like, are you sure you don't want to circumcise your kid? In the hospital? In the hospital. That's interesting. Wait, how old is your son? He's four and a half now. Okay. I sort of feel like the tide is turning, but maybe not like New York four years ago. I just, I do feel like it is turning though. I don't know how much you're paying attention. I just remember at some point, like I got offended. I was like, can you please stop asking this question? Like it feels like. Judgmental. It feels like, it feels judgmental now. Like, you know, the first time I understand the second time to confirm. Okay. (laughs) But you're at seven. Like, we don't want to do that, you know, and we can move on from this. Like, let's, let's do it. We can do it anyway. Um, okay. So, uh, it's, when was, when did your book come out? It came out February of last year, like basically right before Valentine's day. I feel like time is flat. Do you feel like this? Like, do you feel like time is completely flat now? Because I feel like I love your book. I remember the day it came out, like I had pre-ordered it. That's so nice. Wow. I'm really flattered. And I remember just being like fully aligned. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I teach in Agape Intensive. Like I was like so excited about your book and I can't believe now you're telling me it's been out for 18 months. Like this is shocking to me. I feel the same way. Yeah. I actually feel like I'm generally kind of have a calendar mind. Like I can tell you exactly when things happen. Like where was I for 4th of July 12 years ago? But then the last two years, I like that you said that, yeah, flat where I'm just like, how long has it been? What's been going on? And so for me as a person who's generally like very attuned to time, it's been 
an extra mind fuck because I'm just like, what's going on? Okay, so now that I said that, and now that I have a hinge expert in front of me, I want to tell you my philosophy about time is flat, and then I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. Okay, great. I love talking about time almost as much as I like talking about circumcision. <laughs> I love it. Good. That's great. <laughs> By the way, I have a lot of thoughts on circumcision, so if you ever want to have a long-winded conversation sure, yeah, about yeah, that yeah. practice I want to bring that we my do on American Males, yeah. oh my God, I am a, I, 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 I'm obsessed with this topic. Anyway, moving on to time, though. Um, so one of the most popular questions that I get um, on Ask a Matchmaker is when women say stuff like, well, I messaged him two weeks ago mm-hmm. on the app and he never messaged me back. Do I unmatch him? And my response to anything that has to do with like time on a dating app to me is always the same, which is like, as long as you didn't exchange phone numbers, as long as the conversation was not taken offline, as long as you have not been on a date, the time in the app is flat. It doesn't matter when that, like, let's say you message on a Sunday and then you mm-hmm. got back to you on a Wednesday and then you got back to them on Wednesday, but they got back to you on a Saturday. Um, it doesn't matter how long it took for them to get back to you because they are also living a single life. They might mm-hmm. also be dating other people. It doesn't, it's not personal to you. It's just the way sh- talking to strangers online is. Time is flat. Do you agree or disagree? I honestly, I, I've heard a lot about dating and I have never heard that before. So just like, I'm excited to discuss something new with you. Uh, let me say it back to you to see if I get it. So it's basically okay. like in the journey of online dating, there are mm-hmm. different milestones. So there might be the milestone of, I send you a comment and then do you respond back? How long does it take for us to like each other? Then there's like the initial matching, then there's sending a message. And it sounds like you feel like until the moment of moving off the app, to texting or a date or moving to a phone number exchange. Basically the, what we, what do we call it at Hinge? The responsiveness of that person doesn't really matter. Like if they take a week or if they take two minutes. Yeah. I would say, I think it's a good pep talk for certain people. Like if it's someone, like the, the way that you phrased the question, I was like, this person should chill. Like what, why are you unmatching them? Like, because like you need like more storage on your phone. Like it just feels like that person is like jumping to unmatch. And I'm like, you've said something and they haven't responded. I don't think you need to rush to unmatch. If you, what I would say to them is look at the profile, see how interested you are. If you're like meh and they're not that responsive, then leave it alone. If you're actually really interested, then give it one more try. You could say something like, oh, um, this made me, or like, what would you say? I don't know. Anything to basically re-engage and give it one more chance, I would do. I wouldn't punish the person for not responding for the same reasons you said. But I do think that time matters, and we've looked at this in Hinge, and basically, you don't want to be addicted to your phone, but responding somewhat quickly increases your chances of getting to a date. And so it's not like... I am a single person and you are the only other person on earth and we're going to eventually talk to each other. It's like, actually, we're in a crowded bar. And if I respond to you pretty quickly, it just increases our chances of going out. And so in general, being responsive is a good strategy for everyone. And so in that situation, the person is reading into the fact that the other person didn't respond that quickly. And I would say it doesn't mean that you need to unmatch them, but I would certainly give priority to the people who are being responsive because they seem to have higher intent with you. They seem to be taking more dating more seriously. Maybe they're willing to put in more effort. And even if the answer is, well, that person has more time than the person who 
isn't prioritizing it. It's like, yeah, don't you want to date someone with more time for you? And so I would say don't rush to unmatch, but I don't necessarily agree that time is flat because I do think that there's signals you can get from how interested somebody is based on how much or how quickly they're engaging with you. I love that. I love, I love how you kind of looked at this from all angles and I really appreciate, you know, it's like, it's not like you're saying like, oh no, that's a bad idea. It's more of like, <laughs> definitely prioritize the people that are responding to you. Yeah. And I think that is actually a really great way to, to look at, look at this. I think also, um, in terms of online now, cause we know we did mention a milestone here, right? Which is mm -hmm. like, when should, should I give, should we exchange numbers? Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but the studies that we run in our office, we have noticed that the moment a phone number ex is exchanged, the chances of meeting, they really drop. What, one of the things that we always suggest to people is like, try to plan as much as the date as possible on the app and then exchange numbers maybe on the day of like, hey, here's my number in case of emergency or in case we can't find each other. Um, and because I feel like when people exchange phone numbers, it's very similar to like, you know, when you run into a friend online, like maybe a, someone from high school saw your yeah. book and they're like, oh my God, Logan, here's my yeah. number, let's text. And it's like, yeah, and then you never do. And I think that's what happens online is like, oh, here's my number. And then you just never message each other. Um, what do you think about that? So we found the opposite to be true, but I can completely really? see your hypothesis and I, I want, I wait, can look wait, back wait, wait. and wait. What did you find? What did well, you find we, we basically have found that, um, when people like, like let's say we're looking at like what leads people to get to a date uh-huh the journey often goes from matching on the app texting on the app phone number exchange and then setting up the date through text and then going on the date and the way that i envision it is that when i am on the app and a bunch of people are messaging me and a bunch of people are messaging you it is this more crowded less personal space but when you've made it into my inbox when I open, you know, iMessages or whatever messages on my phone and suddenly you're there, it's more personal. It's more like we are closer on the journey towards meeting up. And so that's more intimate and that gets closer. I think what you're saying is you exchange phone numbers, but then you never text mm -hmm. and what happens in that case. And so that is something to think about. Um, I feel like people also just cancel. The moment you have your a yeah. phone number exchange, it's a lot quicker to cancel someone. Like, hey, I'm just not feeling up for it That's today. That's interesting. I think people are, I, I would have to look into this because I haven't researched this, but I think people love canceling in general. I think our culture is super oh, yeah. flaky. And so I think people are just as likely to like, not respond on the app to not respond to a text. I'm sure you've seen that there's so many of the things where it's like, hey, let's go out on Saturday. And then like Saturday comes and goes and you don't hear from the person. So I Ugh, think that happens so in frustrating. both. Yeah, I think, okay, for me as a very time focused person who can get anxious about meetings and wants to make sure somebody would do that, I think what I would do is um, I would give the phone number and then when I would text, I would you know say like, what about Thursday at seven and make sure there's a specific plan. And then unfortunately probably check in like, the day before just say like hey like looking forward to seeing you tomorrow not doing the like are we still on i think yeah, oh, that no, gives I don't the person ask. a chance I, exactly. but like absolutely yeah the the just making sure but yeah i mean i think we're just hitting on a really frustrating part of modern dating which is that because we are constantly in touch and because we feel like there's this get out of jail free card if we just message an hour before saying um you know 
not feeling up to it, can we reschedule? It's, it's like we are too available and that availability seems to give people this feeling that they can cancel. Yeah, no, um, 100% on that part. I think, yeah, you're right. There's no better high than canceling on someone, especially probably <laughs> on a stranger, I suppose. And then people will just knock it to like, well, I guess he wasn't the one. And it's like, well, you don't really don't know that now, I guess. They're just, they're disrespectful if it's an hour or two before. That's, do you what, ever that's have, all you've learned. Do you ever have male clients where you find out that they cancel a lot and you coach them away from that? Like, have you ever worked with someone and kind of train them away from that? Very rare do we have cancellations. So on our end, on the matchmaking world, we set yeah. up the date and we don't oh. share phone numbers. Until oh, I love like that. Two that's so, before. so, so smart. Yeah. Like dating like it's 1988, you know, you can't, it's, it's too bad, you know? I love and, that. Um, but then even on the online dating side, because that's something that we do offer, you know, we try to keep almost all the communication on the app, okay. um, mainly because we have noticed that once people get on the app, I mean, not everyone has the, um, the foresight sometimes things be like, well, Hey, you know, like, like you just said, you know, like it's funny, like my go-to move when I was single yeah. uh, was if we were to get on line after that on the phone, I would text them a photo of myself. Um, that was like a funny photo that was yeah. not on the app. Um, my go-to photo was me like <laughs> sipping like a coffee, like, like, hold on, let me describe that. this for a podcast. Uh, like my head was tilted and I had like a tiny coffee cup and I was just like kind of being cute. Cute. And, and in fact, I sent this photo to my husband when he met me, when he was like, let's exchange numbers. And when we exchanged numbers, I just texted him this photo with my name underneath, like Maria Avgatidis. And, um, and of course the response is always, you're so cute. And it's like, great. Ask me out. <laughs> I love that. Oh, so that was like not in a presumed to be a dating context. Like even if you met someone on the apps, would you still do that? Or if you met someone out and about? Both. So if I wanted them to ask me out, that was mm -hmm. my go-to move was like, once we exchanged numbers, my first message to them was always like a, a cute photo of me reminding them that I'm cute. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I actually think there's like so many smart things about that. It kind of reminds me of, I was talking to somebody recently about what was it like some sort of gig economy app, like maybe like a DoorDash or Instacart or mm -hmm. something. And it was like, when you go to tip, they pull up the picture of the driver. And it like, of course is supposed to encourage you to tip more, but it's really like it humanizes the person. And so for you, it's like, if you're talking to a bunch of people in the app and so are the other people by sending the picture, they're not like, which one was she again? I have to go to the app. They're like, yeah, 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 this one, they have your name, they have the right. picture. It also humanizes you. And so who wants to cancel on that cute girl holding the coffee cup? I, I think it probably was actually a really powerful move. It was great because, uh, I mean, even I remember the last time I sent it was to the man I would end up marrying, right? Yay. And I remember his reaction to it, which was his response was like, you're cute. And of course I wrote back, you're cute too. And then um, this is this is him texting me though in a bar in mm -hmm. front of all of our friends, like him going to the side to text a person who's like four it. feet away from him. But it gave him the courage to do things that I don't think he could have done face to face because my husband's a natural introvert who's... Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm really, I'm, I'm really assertive and intimidating. Yeah, you have a big personality. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I'm self-aware of that. And I think that kind of photo gave me an in to show like, I'm actually pretty vulnerable and sensitive and I, I want you to ask me out. Like, here's the green flag. You know? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. So like when you did it was part of your feeling, 
I want to be asked out, but I don't want to ask out. So I need to make this person, I need to make it clear to this person that I'm interested so that they ask me out. That's exactly the strategy. And so what do you say to people who, let's say there's a woman who you might identify in your head as being passive, but she says something similar. Are you like, oh, that's fine. You're just the kind of person that wants to wait to be asked out. Or do you try to encourage you them to be more assertive? You still have to tee up the opportunity. Like yeah. my husband would have never asked me out <laughs> if so I didn't cute. tee up the opportunity. And even the phone number exchange is mm -hmm. so ridiculous, right? So I was trying to like find a way for him to ask me for my number and he just wasn't. Like I was really <laughs> teeing it up. How much like, were you talking? Like how much chemistry was there in that moment? I, it was tough because my husband's like an introvert who's also okay. just well liked by everybody. So, okay. um, so, you know, he's a very nice guy and, and he's also kind of awkward. So, uh, so in that moment I was like, I knew I was into him. He still saw me as one of his friend's bosses, right? Oh, wow. So I forgot like, that dynamic. Cool. Yeah. So I'm trying to like get away from that at the same time. Right. And so, uh, a way that I got him to, to get my number. Oh God, this is, this is funny though to me. Definitely use this. But, um, I asked him like, where are you from? Exactly. Like where in Crete are you from? And he showed me like, oh, uh, he told me and I was like, oh, can you show me on a map? And of course I know <laughs> To get out from. his phone. So, right. So he got oh out God, his phone. so tricky. And hold, hold on, hold on. It's, it gets better. <laughs> And I was like, I want to see how close you are to the beach. Because he's from an island, right? And he shows me his phone. He puts a pin. And I'm zooming in. And I said, do you go to any of these cafes when you're there? And he goes, yeah, I usually go to this cafe. And I'm like, cool. Um, can you send me that cafe? I I'm thinking about going there next year. And I will like to check it out. <laughs> and he's like, sure. By the way, no intention. Yeah. <laughs> So tricky. I'm just like, get my number. Like in any means. Yeah. By the way, he could have been from fucking Rhode Island, right? right, right I would right. have still done the same shit. Show me where you're at, where you really, grew up. Really funny. And um that was my game to get. So he like he texts me the pin. Yeah. Like this is the cafe. Yeah, and then yeah. I texted him back the funny photo. Oh my god. That's but hey, that's he pretty got involved. my number. No, it's great. It's really involved. I feel like I, I can kind of imagine a phone exchange scenario in my mind where, you know, two people meet at like an art museum or a cafe, like wherever they are, and then they're talking about something and then one person says, oh, like, let me know the next time you do blank. And then the person says, but I don't have your number. And then they're like, oh, like, let me give it to you. It's like, there's just so many ways to say like, follow up with me about this specific thing. And then the person, even if they're clueless is like, how? And then you're like, this is how. I think the, that's really one of the cool. best uh, advice that I've ever been given is actually from my chief operating officer, Louie, who's a matchmaker as well. He so he said to me, this is before, I've, I've known him since 2009. And he said, Maria, your biggest problem is that you're too, you're too smart. And what he meant by that is like, sometimes you got to play dumb mm -hmm. and like, let people like come to the plate. And I think that's what my strategy here was not just with my ex with yeah. my husband, but like even my ex-boyfriends was like, letting them show up to the plate. Like I've dusted the plate for you. It's right here. Yeah. But then also like even our date, right? So like I knew, I knew I wanted to see him again. And we planned to do the freedom trail the following day with our mutual friends, with cool. the people that introduced us. And I remember like, you know, the freedom trail in Boston, that's like a six hour thing. And you know, 
it was great because it wasn't like face to face. I know you and I share in this advice oh, on yeah. dates. Like it's yeah. good to be side by side. Totally. And holy shit. Like that idea, by the way, um, I got to say in 2020, right? As a company that sets up states, sets up dates. We obviously the first two months of the pandemic, the first two months of lockdown, we were like freaking out. Right? For sure. We were like, oh God, we can't right. set up what dates. Are we what are we going to do? do right? Yeah. And then starting in June of 2020, we started setting up dates. We set up 300 first dates to start at the Dakota oh building oh in the Upper God. West Side. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, such a 200 high of those, 200 of those went on second dates. That's amazing. Like the Dakota building is like the one right by Strawberry Field. So there's like this natural mm -hmm. path to follow in the Central Park. And then when you get to, those are like around like 72nd Street. Yeah. And when you get to 59th Street, it's like, oh, if you enjoy your, if you're enjoying it, keep walking. If I you're love not, that. Yeah, you can depart. add on. Yeah. Holy crap. It was amazing. And if you were listening to this in the summer and you're looking for a date idea, that's the date idea. You don't, I know that there's like some dating influencers out there that say stuff like if it's not dinner, it's not worth your time. And I feel like you're just putting a lot of pressure on someone. I totally agree. To, to perform even well, aesthetically on a meal. This is also, you're just reminding me of this conversation I had recently because the big research project that I've been doing at Hinge for the last few months is about sober dates and mm. the rise of sober dates and how this is especially big with Gen Z because Gen Z, um, what they told us in the research is they're really focused on mental health. They feel like drinking makes them feel not like themselves or they get like anxiety the next day. And so being sober on a date makes them feel like they're in the right state of mind. They're actually connecting with the person. It's not, do I like this cocktail? It's do I like you? And so they're really into that. And so one of the easiest go-to dates is going for a walk. But then I was on CBS Mornings two weeks ago and, you know, they're just doing like the morning show banter. But Nate was like, a walk without alcohol, that's just exercise. But in my head, I'm like, no, that's a really fun no. date. And like, I still feel like with my husband, we just came back from Yosemite and we spent two days. Each day we did a 10 mile hike. I was like, this is the best quality time we've gotten in a long time. Like you're just on a walk. The only goal is to like move your body and connect with the person. Like that's an amazing way to spend time with someone. And right. The thing that we, the, the advice that we share is that when you're looking at someone, it's a lot of pressure. You're making eye contact. It's actually scientifically proven to be harder to generate things to say because you're so focused on the person. If you're side by side, it actually takes a pressure off. And I think it's easier to have that deep conversation and to connect. That's why parents take their kids in the car and bring up, you know, how's, how are drugs doing at school? You know, are, are kids your age doing this? How's right? It's drugs? Like, yeah. How are drugs? That's how I don't have any kids. That's how parents speak, I think. But you know, this idea of when you're next to each other, it's actually easier to connect. And so I think walking dates are a great first I date. I also think I also think that when you're side by side or perpendicular on a date, especially on walks, it's also <laughs> way easier to create sexual tension. Oh yeah. Which is I think what defines like from a friendship to mm -hmm. a relationship, right? Like having that sort yeah. of and why what I mean by that is right, like I want you to think about when a man, let's say, says something saucy, mm -hmm. right? Um, or if a woman wants to flirt and say something just just a little, little like you know straddling the line here of like appropriate not appropriate right totally on a date when you're like facing each other i think what happens is that your eyes want to move around they want to mm -hmm. naturally move around the mm -hmm. room and now when they're sitting across from you have to look into the room right. because you want to be respectful you don't want to disrespect them and you also don't want to look like you're 
I don't know, suffering from a stroke, I guess. I, just, <laughs> yeah, right? a good idea. But when you when you are sitting side by side or when you're walking side by side or even perpendicular, because your head can naturally move around um, as you are speaking and like go where it's supposed to go, I think you can be, you know, way more vulnerable, straddle that flirtatious line and establish the sexual tension where you're like, I kind of want to see you naked one day. I don't know if it's going to happen today, but I, I definitely want to see you naked. And I think that is, I think that is needed sometime in the first three dates. Saying that or thinking that? Thinking that. Yeah. I mean, I like the point about moving your head around. You know, I live in the Bay Area. Met, most of my friends are Silicon Valley people, a lot of awkward people in general. And part of that is not making great eye contact. And like, I'm not sensitive to it. I totally get it. When I'm thinking, you know, I'm sitting in my office right now. And when I think I look out the window at this tree, and so it's it seems like I'm not paying attention, but that's actually me paying attention the most. So I love the point of just giving someone an opportunity to be in a place where it's not awkward that they're moving their head around. But I do want to follow up with you because I feel like a question I get asked so much is how do I get out of the friend zone? How do I not make the date feel like we're just networking and getting coffee? And so what are the things that you tell people in terms of physical touch or teasing that show like, hey, this, there is sexual tension here. I'm going to insist on it. What do you say? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Oh, I like to make uh, my, like, I think one of the go-to moves for me is like, reminding people that I like them in a mm. personal way. So for instance, if someone were to start telling me about like how, you know, they volunteer with children by playing tennis or some, something like that, I'll be like, I really like that about you. So I don't say I like that. I like that about you. Like I try okay. to find anything I could say that I like that about them. This is so and, good. and to me, that's like, it creates this line of like, um, I am showing you mm -hmm. verbally that I'm into you. Now that's mm -hmm. that's like a verbal cue. I love I that think, one. I think that's like, really helpful. Thank you. But then also the physical. I like, like that I about find... you that you do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then physically, I will do anything I can to yeah. find if I like them to like touch their knee or touch their back or their shoulder or their hands. Like I will do mm -hmm. and, and that's me being forward, I think. But I think giving these cues to people um, makes them, I think one of the things, I don't know about you, but like one of the things that I see, and this actually kind of tees up to a question that I have for you, is that sometimes I hear people say to me, like, I don't know if I'm physically attracted mm, or I don't know if I'm time, attracted yeah. to them and it's been three dates, right? And then another thing that I got, in fact, I screenshot it for you. Let me get it out. Oh, great. Um, someone asked me today, and I thought, oh, that's such a good question for Logan. Any advice on how to have better conversations on dates, date three, and it still feels surface level? Mm. And as someone who I think, I've been in the situation where you have surface level conversation date three, and to me that's like, ugh. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think it should be surface level at day three. But what do you think? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have so many responses. One is just like, in general, I really like your point about, I like that thing about you. And I probably it's like the most cliche thing in the world to quote um, my big fat Greek wedding to a Greek matchmaker. But that line, that I'll, I mean, I saw the movie as a kid and I'll never forget it where, right, the woman says like, the man is the head of the family, but the woman is the neck that, neck. Yeah. Well, how does she say it? Like that directs. Uh, or that points it in a certain direction. Wherever, wherever the neck turns, that is where the head, which by the way, right. that movie is a documentary <laughs> in my family. Like, 
Holy shit, that is my mom. Like when I went to the movie theaters with my mom to watch that movie, and I remember thinking like, this is the shit that my mom says every single week, and now it's in a movie format. I cannot believe this is happening to me right now. I was mortified. Right, but I yes, I I love that movie. I just feel like several of the things you've said really remind me of that because what you're basically saying is like sending the picture that indicates that you're interested is you moving the person's neck. You didn't say ask me out. You were like, I'm going to make it clear that the direction we're heading is flirtatious phone number exchange i'm cute you agree i'm cute but you don't say let's go out and then Mm -hmm. when you want to show someone that you're sexually interested in them or that you're flirting with them you don't say you're not super explicit you're just using verbal cues to be like there is like coming from my side to you and so anyway it just like does remind me of the neck thing and I, i think it's very clever because women think sometimes that there's just two options like being super forward or being super passive and it's like actually there's an entire skill set here that you can develop that allows someone to see that you're interested without feeling like you're quote unquote doing all the work yeah so now that you've said that right and it's obviously a skill set maybe logan and i create like a whole new flirty system that we're going to start selling together but uh yeah so for that question yeah about like that feels surface yeah totally different thing i would say First of all, I think that everyone should take kind of joint responsibility for the quality of the conversation. Like it's not on one person to make sure it goes deeper. In terms of what you're going for, like you don't want it to be in the friend zone where there's no sexual chemistry, but you do want it to feel like someone where you could keep talking to them for a long time or there's um, kind of a depth to the conversation. And so a trick that I use is that you show up on the first date and instead of starting at the beginning, like, hey, how did you get here? Oh, have you ever been to this coffee shop before? Blah, 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 blah. You start, and this is a Latin term that's in media res which means in the middle of things and it's like when you watch a movie or you see a play and it starts in the middle of the action and then it pulls back and it's like let me explain how we got here so you can show up on a date and be like oh my gosh like i got the craziest phone call on the way here my friend this is happening to her and you basically start as if you're already friends and then you can backtrack later and talk about what part of the city you live in and how long you've lived here you can do the small talk later but Think about how freeing it feels to just show up and be like, this is what happened. And then the person is like, oh my God, I can't believe that. And then you're talking as normal people that are having a conversation and you're avoiding that terrible interview vibe. And it's so when I hear this person say that the third conversation is still surface, it's like they're playing that game of like, what about you? How many siblings do you have? And it's like, you're just exchanging information. You're not connecting. And so I would say the next date, how can you try to bring that deeper vibe? And so maybe you bring a situation that's happening at work and you say, hey, like my boss is doing this. How would you approach this? I like that because it's a thing you would say to a friend. You can see how their brain works. You can see, you know, how do they respond to a question they've never been asked before? And so how can you mix it up? And so there's a pool of questions at the shallow end of the pool that are very surface. There are things like what you studied in college, what your hobbies are, Um, what you do at work every day, like information that you're exchanging. And then there's the deeper things where you're saying, how are you as a person in the world? And you might say something like, what are the best and worst traits that you got from your parents? And then you're talking about like weird shit that your Greek mom did, or you're talking about how your dad's really personable and you really get to go deeper. And so I'd say, how can you make your own dates better by bringing a set of questions or conversation topics that are way less information exchange and way more going deep and getting to know yourself and getting to know the other person? 
somebody asked me today, like, how can I tell if I'm financially compatible with someone that I'm dating? Mm -hmm. And it's like, to me, it's like, go on that long walk, go on that long yeah. drive, and just start talking. Don't ask questions. Start talking about what your parents taught you about yeah, money I love or what that. they didn't teach you about money. Start asking, uh, start not asking again, start talking about what you wish you knew about mm -hmm. money or what are the biggest mistakes you've made about money. And hopefully in you sharing about this, will get them comfortable to share about themselves too. Like so much of dating, I think is less questions. Yeah. And more just, just start talking. And like, you know, you mentioned before about siblings, right? Like it's very natural. Do you have siblings? Mm -hmm. Don't ask that question. Start asking, like start, excuse me, start talking, start saying, you know, oh, on my, like you said before, like on my way here, I was talking to my sister. She just had a baby. I just love being an aunt. <laughs> and it was so interesting. Like, you know, she's talking about the struggles and I, I think I'm going to see her this weekend. Holy shit. I just gave you like in two sentences I, I like to go away for the weekends from New York. I have a sister and she has a, and, and we, I have a new nephew and hopefully in sharing that they're also going to tell you, you know, I'm the youngest of four and uh, bathroom time. I'm really quick because I learned how to be quick. <laughs> I love that. And uh, you know what? I don't have a relationship with my siblings, but I'll talk about that with you on mm -hmm. like our fifth date. I'm not ready for this right now. Like, you know, there's so many things that can be said if you just start talking. Yeah, honestly, this is like, you know, going back to circumcision and you have a lot of hot takes on it. I feel like I have a lot of hot takes on the question thing because one of the biggest complaints that I get is he didn't ask me any questions. I did all the work. Oh. I felt like I could write a biography on him and he must just think he's so interesting because I kept asking him questions and then he didn't ask me any back. And so I have done a lot of research with my newsletter asking people about this. And so I call people that don't ask any questions, ZQ, zero questions. And so it mm -hmm. became this research project. What do you do with ZQs? And so there's a few things you can do. One is kind of the style that you said, which is like, why are you waiting around for someone to ask you? Just talk and then they can also talk. It's not like, well, he didn't ask me what about you, so it's not my turn. So instead of saying, do you have any siblings, right? You talk about your sister. Another thing that you can do is kind of point out to the person, um, what about, what about you? Do you have any questions for me or what are you curious about me? And so just, it can sound a little like heavy handed, but you're basically, sending the person a cue that it's time to ask you questions. You can also right. do, somebody wrote in something like, they went on a date with a guy and he spent an hour complaining about his sister-in-law. And at the end of it, she was just like, what are your feelings about your sister-in-law? I'm really curious. <laughs> like something that made it obvious that they were dominating it. And so in an ideal dating scenario, you wouldn't have to do this. It would be so natural. It would just flow. But some of the best people out there are awkward. Like you said, your husband wouldn't have asked you for your number. I feel like, you know, maybe my husband and I wouldn't have gone from being like friends in the office to dating. And so you do need to take that extra step. And so sometimes you do need to take that effort of letting the person know you want to be asked questions. And then don't worry about that moment. Worry about how do they respond? Do they take the cue and give you what you want? Or do you feel like you're not really getting your needs met? And so for the person who asked about the third date, I would say on the fourth date, make a concerted effort to go deeper. And if it doesn't work, it might be time to call it because maybe this person just actually isn't ready to go there with you. Mm. Um, I love that you said like some of the, I, it's true though, some of the best people, they're awkward as hell. Yeah. It's like, yeah, are you dating <laughs> them for their salesmanship? They're not players. No. That's what it is. Of yeah, course. So it's like, yeah. and maybe you're like to this imaginary person or whoever wrote the question, it's like, maybe you're a really good conversationalist and maybe that's a strength of yours. And so you wish you could find someone who also has that strength and that may happen. 
but maybe that's what you bring to the table and they bring a different strength to the table. And so maybe you do an extra 20% of the work there and that's okay. You don't have to find the person with the exact same strengths as you, especially if it's an area that you're really confident in. Yeah, I love that. Do you, um, I think another thing that you and I agree on, but I would love to have, you know, your expertise, like sure. talk about it. Uh, I think the spark is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my whole thing, fuck the spark. Yeah. It's really about setting people up, having my dating coaching clients come over and say, oh, he was so handsome. It was a really fun date. He chose a great bar. I'm not going to see him again. And I would be like, hold up. What? And they would say, yeah, I yeah. just didn't feel the spark. And so this idea became this kind of calling card for me where I was like, why are we so focused on the instant chemistry, the unicorns, the butterflies? Like some people give that to you, but maybe it's because they're really handsome and they give that to everyone or they made you anxious. And so it's actually warning bells, not chemistry. And so really moving people towards a world where some of the best possible partners aren't there out there don't give you the spark it's a slow burn that grows over time i've always felt like you know the purpose of a first date is to go on a second date that's all it is mm -hmm. that's my philosophy i love it and then also you know if you should go on a second date you just have to answer two questions one did you enjoy yourself <laughs> yes okay the second question is are you still curious about them mm -hmm. at no point am i asking you did you feel like you had chemistry right. and am i no point am i saying did you feel a spark mm -hmm. Are you curious about them? And I remember yeah. with like my husband, I know I've said this in the podcast before and I know he knows, but like I was not initially attracted to my husband, like physically, because I rem in looking back on it now, because I was trying to figure out like why, because I clearly mentally had a connection with him and spiritually had a connection with him and intellectually had a massive connection to him. Why was I not physically attracted? And then I think about like, oh yeah, all of my ex-boyfriends were gym rats and, you know, ran marathons and, you know, we're just more athletic build. And my husband is not, he's a lab rat. And, um, you know, I was just not familiar yeah. with a person like him. However, in looking, I asked the same questions to me when, in fact, when, I'm, when the girl that introduced us, the employee, she was like, Maria, did you, did you like him? Like, did you enjoy yourself? And I'm like, I did. She goes, are you still curious about him? I'm like, I totally am. She Yay. goes, it doesn't matter. I like, you got to go out I mean, again. so true. And thank God, because I thought he was the cutest after date two. I was like, holy shit, he's the cutest. Um, so right. I think. And you could have just written him we, off after the first date. I think that's like the biggest lesson. You know what's annoying too, Logan? And like, for me, at least even at work, I always, when people tell me like, I didn't feel the spark, I'll sometimes say stuff like, Tell me about the last person you felt the spark with. And yeah. Say like some name. And then it's like, why did that not work yes. out? And That's it's like, really well, smart. as quick as it went, that's how quickly it fizzled. And I was like, so we agree that the spark is bullshit. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It's what's what you said. It's excitement that is usually deep rooted in anxiety. <laughs> I totally agree. I love that. Just saying who's the last person you felt it with. And I think it can be embarrassing to people, but in a helpful way to say, you know, you talk about that person they had the spark with, and then you're like, okay, what if they give that to everything, everyone? What if every woman that mm. meets that person is like, oh my gosh, he's so charming. He's so attractive. I feel this. And then they're like, oh, I thought it was something special between us, but it's actually something that he gives other people. And in realizing that it, it takes them off the pedestal and you realize like, yeah, it was fun to flirt with that person. They were attractive and charming, but it doesn't mean that I need to 
pursue that at the expense of all other relationships. It just means I can experience it. And so it's sort of like identifying the spark as almost like a sugar high where you're like, yep, when I ate all those Skittles, I had a sugar high and it was fun, but it's not really the healthiest thing for you. And so, yeah, you can go get that sugar high, but you shouldn't marry, you know, you shouldn't marry the sugar. Let me tell you too, even as like a married person, you still get the spark with random people that you meet in a day to day. I have that experience a few times a year where I'll meet someone. I'm like, oh, this is, mm -hmm. this is fun, but it's like, but uh, I'm not really you know okay like moving on you know like yeah. it's not i'm glad you said that because drive I, me to do things but it's you yeah. still feel sparks post i totally agree and i see this on reddit like in all the reddit relationship advice subreddits where people are like oh i met this person and i feel this insane spark with them and you know should i leave my partner for them and i think if you can just own that like yeah we're human beings sometimes we connect with someone and it's like oh i've known you my whole life or i i keep thinking about you like that is a totally fine way to live and it totally doesn't normal. mean that you should be with your partner it means that you had a connection with that person and so i think just taking the spark from this extremely romantic you're meant to be that's my soulmate to like occasionally our chemistry just feels really dynamic with someone and that's something that you can appreciate and enjoy but it doesn't mean you need to pursue it as your long-term partner yeah yeah no i love that Logan, um, I absolutely loved, I think we could talk I forever. totally feel that way. I'm like, I want to follow up on this. I want to ask I, you about that. I have that. a spark with Logan. Um, I agree. So, <laughs> but don't leave your husband for me. <laughs> don't, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I didn't mention this, but like, like you, you know, you got married in June. I had a retreat for women in Greece and I'm trying to recover on my end Ooh. here. Um, but it was absolutely wonderful. And, um, and uh, I'm actually already looking forward to next year's retreat in Greece. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. But um, you are one of our last episodes for season two of Ask a Matchmaker. And I would love to have you on season three, which will be in person in New York. So we'll talk Amazing. about that. Amazing. Yes, um, I'll, I'll, in a few, I'll in be a few in the weeks. city a bunch of times for the rest of the year. So I'd love to do that. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep adding more to this because, like I said, and like you said, I could talk to you forever. Um, Logan, thank you again for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Yay. Thank Where you. Where can people find you? Yes. Well, we talked about my book, How to Not Die Alone. You can buy that in bookstores. You can listen to the audiobook, which I read. I send out a weekly newsletter called Logan's Love Letter. You can get info about that on my website, loganeary.com. You can learn about my next dating class, Date Smarter. And then I post on Instagram at loganeary. Awesome. Logan, I will keep, I will put all of those links in the show notes for anyone that's interested. Again, thank you so much for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all the great work that you do. Hey, it's Maria. That was the end of season two. Logan Yuri was my last guest and uh, what a way to end season two. I'll be back in a few weeks with season three, kicking off in mid-September. I've already booked a few of my guests and I cannot wait for you to hear about their expertise. Until then, you can always follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria for more dating and relationship content. And of course, be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. See you in September. Have a happy and safe rest of summer. If you'd like to learn more about how my team can work with you, you can also visit agapimatch.com and learn about our services.